Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Burnout Brighter. This is episode 149, and it's a little special because we have the developers from Coromon on. Guys, that game is absolutely epic. It's been doing so amazing, and you're going to be able to play it on Switch pretty soon. So mm -hmm. you can take it wherever you go. No longer just sitting at your PC go catch those things out in the wild basically that's like the best type of game to have out in the wild isn't it like i i really yep. feel like that but before we jump into it i'm going to introduce my co-host matt wow i thought you forgot i re i'm really proud of you for pulling that back around uh -huh. thanks everyone what's up let's talk about about some monster catching games i'm excited <laughs> i'm ready no no i planned it that way but i'd also like to <laughs> I'd also like to introduce our guest. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This is Marcel. Hey. <laughs> and this is, oh my God, please do not hate me. I'm going to try my best to pronounce your name. Go it's on. not Put hard. Yours. I'm you just dumb. It. You okay. can do it. Yochum? Yeah, that's pretty well. Pretty well pronounced, I think. Yo wait, Yochum. Yochum. Yohum, yeah, correct. Okay, I am so dumb. Okay, Yohum. That's because, listen, earlier before you guys came on, I was like, I don't know how to say his name. And then we were stupidly trying to say your name. And that's, I think that's the way we said it first before Marcel corrected us and told us the right way. So, guys, it's Yohum. <laughs> and I'm just an idiot because that's not hard to pronounce. Okay, so, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I think one of our first questions, because we're just going to jump right into it, because this whole episode is going to be about Coromon. But how did you guys meet? Well, we met in the local supermarket, actually. I said, we, we've already known each other for a while uh, back then. Uh, I think we've known each other for two years already, I think. Uh, not the bigger friend, but we were colleagues and had fun on, at work. Uh, sometime later, I started my own hobby project. And I needed people around me to help me uh, yeah, get it done. And that's where uh, Marcel comes in, I think. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> random question, but like, what were you shopping for at the supermarket? I'm just nosy, so I just, Be I'm kidding. You don't, you don't have, I'm sure you don't remember that. That was from like two years ago, <laughs> so you don't have to answer that. You were working but, there. Yeah. yeah, it was our job, and he was a colleague of mine. Oh, oh wait, you were nice. working yeah. at the supermarket. I thought yeah. you were just like grabbing oh. some snacks. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I just walked up to somebody like, hey, you want to oh. make a game together? Yeah, sounds good. And off they went. You know what? <laughs> People meet at the supermarket every day, especially when you're in the line at checkout. Okay. True. So like maybe like he got something on his phone and like he was like, Oh, I like that game too. And it like, you know, it started a whole new like serendipity love story. It would have been epic though. <laughs> 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 right? That's how you should start telling the story and then just be like, yeah. no, nah, just kidding. We both work there. But um, <laughs> that's cool. I think I was talking to Marcel a little bit earlier about like you guys no longer having to work there because like Cormon has been such an amazing success. So that is what you're putting your full energy into, right? Yeah, correct. As in uh, the, the the local supermarket job was a, was a while ago. I think uh, I quit there six years ago, I think. Okay. And um, but, but yes, yeah, since that time, we've been going full on on this project. But we had to work aside of it, as in to get yeah. around, to uh, pay our employees. Of course. But yeah, yeah. Now it's just full time Coromon, and we can spend the things we earn on the game. That's uh, so awesome. That's incredible. 
Yeah. I, I have to ask, uh, how did the how did the name Tragsoft come up? Because you know, it it I know that does stand stand for two ridiculously ambitious guys. With Joachim yourself being the first ridiculously ambitious guy, and Marcel, you being given the title of second ridiculously ambitious guy. <laughs> I want yeah. to know how did the name come about? How did you guys decide the pecking order for the ridiculously ambitious guys? Well, I, if I recall correctly, we were just uh, sitting together for almost an entire day, just come up with names for the company, like, does this work, does that work, and just throwing it all out again. But eventually <laughs> we came up with this. Yeah, we had a whole whiteboard with uh, verbs, with uh, all kinds of words on it. We tried to make combinations, as in what are we, what do we stand for, that kind of stuff. And we made a random uh, yeah, word combination of it that also sounded nice as a uh, abbreviation. And that's where, where it came from. And yeah, I, I started the project. So that's why I was the first uh, <laughs> ambitious guy. I, I started one year earlier. Mm-hmm. And after a year, Marcel joined. So that's the pecking order. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, that I love sense. the name. Tragsoft works. It sounds cool. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? I don't know if you guys remember this. I don't know if I'm dating myself. But there used to be like this... <clears throat> Flash animation of this dude who always wore like a sumo wrestler wrestler mask. I think his name was Tragdor. Or was that the name of the dragon? Strong Bad. Arm? You're thinking Strong, strong bad. bad. But yeah. what was the name of the Trogdor? Trogdor. That's yeah, what it you. was. Okay. All right. Sorry. That was super random. And later, <laughs> because that was so random, I'm definitely going to be sending you that. It has nothing to do with work, but I just want you to know okay. I didn't make that up. But <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, one of my questions was, um, and Matt, that was a really good question because I didn't even think to ask about that, but um, how do you guys, how is your work friendship relationship? Because I know for me and Matt, we both work on this podcast together and sometimes we drive each other a little bonkers. How about you guys? Like, is, is it an easy work and flow? Is there one person who like, quote unquote, this is going to sound slightly sexist, I think, but like, where's the pants? In the, in the relationship. Marcel? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Uh, that awkward silence was the best. I'm so sorry. Okay, go ahead. Well, we're not friends as in we don't go to the pub together or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we do have a good well, relationship as colleagues. Okay. Yeah, I think not being too much around each other helps in not getting uh, <laughs> annoyances. And yeah, we're wor- working all day together, uh, often at sense. distance, of course. But yeah, we, we do have a lot of meetings, and I think it, it's a it's a nice balance to not uh, to to have that separated. I think as in that keeps you from seeing each other too much. And, uh, okay, that makes sense. I think like at first when we first um, interviewed you guys, I just assumed that you were like besties who like decided to start to make a game together because like you have a really good ebb and flow. Like you were answering questions and like finishing each other's sentences. It was actually really romantic. But, <laughs> well, we um, had people asking whether we were brothers or even a couple. Yeah, so strange. There you go. So something that I was curious about, uh, Joachim, with because you know you said you started this about a year before Marcel came on. What inspired you to go in the kind of creature catch creature catching monster collection RPG? Because I feel like since the success of Pokemon, we've seen some, but there haven't been as many as maybe you would expect. And I feel like Coromon is one of the 
first ones to come along that captures a bit of that magic from that Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue era that I feel like a lot of other games don't really catch the same way. So what led you in that direction? Why did you decide to start making a game like that? Well, it actually started at school, as in I, I was annoyed, as in playing other games uh, on mobile, especially, as in it all started with a mobile adventure, as in who wants to make a mobile monster taming game, because all of the monster taming games and mobile were those, yeah, cash grabby ish yeah. uh, monster games, and only having one aspect of the game, only battling, and then buying all kinds of stuff, and I was pretty annoyed by all kinds of games like that, and often marketed as a full game mm-hmm. and yeah that's where i jumped in as in i saw a, a gap there and i thought why don't I do it myself as in i, I was a passionate programmer i like doing uh, things on my own and that's how it started uh, it started as a smaller project than it became to be <laughs> as in i thought as in two years i'll, I'll be finished and but yeah <laughs> after nine years it was finally finished and a totally different game that i even imagined back in the time. Wow. I'm sure it's changed a lot over the past nine years. So I think you briefly said something about school. What's your background and what did you go to school for? Did you go for game design or? I went for a software software engineer. And I think it was the same. And yeah, it's kind of close to game design, of course, as in uh, you touch the base there. Nice. All right. That's really cool. That's fantastic. Go ahead, Oop, Matt. Oh, okay. sorry. I was just going to like, okay, cool. So I was going to ask about the art style of the game because there's so many different ways that people can go with their art style for the video game. How did you know that you wanted to go for like this nostalgia kind of 32 bit feel, which I absolutely love. That's one of the things I like so much about your game because like I used to play games a long time ago when that's all there was. So is it just easier to go with the pixel art style or was that something that you had set out to do from the beginning? I think there's two reasons. Um, well, we started off as a mobile monster game, uh, which tried to grab the nostal- nostalgia feeling as in, in the, the GBA era. That's what we went for. So pixel art is the, is the way to go there. But it's also for an indie, indie developer starting small without any budget. It is the way to go as well for, um, as in making pixel art, you can make placeholders yourself. You can only uh, invest in the game later on if you already have something set up. And it's just a lot easier than, for example, 3D models. Right. That's just hard to start even start with, I think. As in, I, I never tried it, but it didn't <laughs> really appeal to me as in, oh, let's try to make a full 3D game. It just, yeah. It's, too far from my own. Uh, no, I, I get do. it. It's it was also a business move, right? So, like thinking about like cost and like you're paying out your artist and things like that. That's really really smart. And plus, like I feel like pixel art is really coming around again. Do you know what I mean? Like people are like, especially in the indie scene, people are stepping away from like that very polished three D futuristic look. And a lot of games that you see today are very like. I don't know. I guess pixel art. That sounded dumb the way that sentence ended. So I apologize for that. But <laughs> I mean, I really like it. I like the callback to like old video games. So yeah. Matt, I sorry. It, I know I cut you off. 
early. No, it's all good. I think I think the art style really like complements the way that the game works too. So something that I was curious about to stay on this art style train is what goes into some of the monster design when you're working on it. Because I feel like that's another really hard part when it comes to these games, just from the outside looking in, is that like having monster design that looks iconic, but that also looks different enough from so many of these other types of games. Uh, what goes into the monster design for Smooth for you guys? Yeah, my job. <laughs> Oh, that's a tough one. So, <laughs> well, um, well, I mean, we go in the beginning. We just uh, picked out an element and a type. So, mm-hmm. for example, we picked like fire and turtle, and then we passed that on to our designer, and he came up with uh, an idea, and that's evolved. So, yeah, with feedback cycles, we uh, kept on improving the design. Mm-hmm. Uh, until we liked it. That's yes, the, the it's really about uh, trying to um, get a consistent line in how the eyes feel. As in that, that, that was really hard. As in there was often a design that yeah was too animalish or too uh, plain, and it's really uh, the feedback cycles really needed to keep it all in line. As in just knowing what type of Coromon you've already made, what mm-hmm. type of animation. As in uh, Paying attention to the character of the um, the, the type of Coromon, uh, as in, does it fit within the setting we've come up for it? As in, sometimes we have a swamp, for example. As in, you, you just try to aim for a, um, you just have a vision of how an area should look like. Mm-hmm. And the, the monster designs actually um, originate from our designers, as in, they have the creativity to come up with the designs and make a cool thing. And then the feedback was needed to make it fit in the area we, we envisioned. Amazing, That's yeah. That's really awesome. It's very cohesive. The... Sorry, exactly Matt. I was what I was gonna say. That's like literally what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, finishing uh, each other's sentences. Great. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, no, it's very cohesive. I think like all of the monsters look like they fit in the world that you've envisioned. And obviously that is what has happened. I think it's great that you were able to explain because some people can't like just working in the industry myself. Some people have a really hard time explaining exactly what they want to see. Um, so I think it's great that you were able to do that and everything fits. Everything looks really, really good, tight, clean and polished. So Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, something else that I was curious about is, um, and I'll, Marcel, I'll, I'll ask you first, is what's kind of your history, your individual history with the monster catching genre? Like, you know, did you grow up playing Pokemon? Is it something that's relatively new to you? Like, what kind of, um, what inspired you to go in this direction? And then on top of that, kind of make Coromon feel different than the rest of the competition. So kind of what's your, what's your background with the genre? Okay. Um, well, I... Bought a Game Boy when I was around 10 years old. So that was my first uh, Nintendo platform. Mm-hmm. I believe my f- first game was Zelda. That's <gasps> my Link's Thanks Awakening. But a few games later, I, yeah, when it released, I believe, was Pokemon Blue. Of course, a big Bulbasaur, but <laughs> yeah, that was my first, uh, first Pokemon game. And after that, I played, uh, I missed Generation 2, but I played Sapphire and diamond as well nice and after that i went on to more pc gaming because yeah I've, the pokemon games after that uh, just didn't interest me anymore for sure so yeah yeah that's interesting cool awesome Johan, what about yourself 
Yeah, for me, it also started with uh, getting a Game Boy uh, at my, in, in my early days. As in, I even got it very early, um, earlier than most of uh, Europeans, I think, because my aunt went abroad and ah, okay. they already had an, a version of it. So I was one of the first at school to get a Game Boy and Pokemon was actually my first game. Uh, I got them there. So um, yeah, it immediately... I didn't really understand it back then because English wasn't my uh, main language. Mm -hmm. So I just played without understanding what I was seeing. I just played with the sprites <laughs> and learned by trial and error. Uh, yeah, after a couple of years and a couple of generations, uh, yeah, I, I just liked all of them. As in, I played until Ruby Sapphire, I think. Nice. Uh, all of them. And after that, somehow I just quit the game as an I didn't play on the Game Boy anymore. So there, yeah, that was the only, playing on the Game Boy is the only way to play Pokemon yeah. back in the day. So yeah, I just quit back then and missed a lot of generation between until I got into the, developing myself and nice. yeah. That must have had like a big effect on you both for you to come around and like create a game that's similar to like catching monsters and having them battle against each other. I have a weird question. It's not weird, but like even after you stopped playing, because I don't know how old you were, but like, did you guys also get into like the animated series Pokemon and like digital monster? Like, were you into those things growing up as well? Yeah, I was, uh, at least when I was younger, the Pokemon and the Digimon. And yeah. yeah. I, I watched it on TV as well, as in uh, the, the animated series of Pokemon. Uh, Digimon well, I think I've seen a lot of those as well. Uh, nice. Don't re remember a lot of them, but uh, yeah, I see. For sure. I love That's it. basics. So we, hold on. I, I heard, because I heard Marcel pick Bulbasaur. Joachim, I have to ask, <laughs> who was your OG starter? I think Charmander. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like I'm a Bulbasaur. Man. I like Bulbasaur and Squirtle. I think if I would have picked anybody, I would have picked Squirtle. I was I always team running with one with one Pokemon. I was always team running the whole game, and uh, <laughs> Charmander was the best for that. Yeah, yeah, just kind of. Well, especially when you're younger, you're like, oh, I like this one. I'm only ever going to use this one, and then yeah, it uh, it, it works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, but yeah, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's an amazing experience. Uh, something else that I was curious about is you know, especially touching on the earlier generations of Pokemon and kind of how things have changed. The stories were never really anything to really shake your hat at. Like they were there and they were kind of fun and engaging for what they were. But something that I really appreciate about Coromon is its dedication to story. So when you guys were starting to kind of figure out what you wanted the game to look like, why was the story such a focal point for you? Yeah, I think that makes the adventure fun. As in, of course, a monster game is fun on itself. As in, but it's kind of repetitive if you don't have a lot of um, going around as in exploring, uh, meeting new characters as in that's, uh, as in, I think for the story, we didn't really look at Pokemon itself. We looked mm -hmm. at other JRPGs more as in other JRPGs we liked playing, uh, such as uh, Zelda, also Golden Sun is one of my main yes. inspirations for story. So good. And yeah, I think we tried to combine monster taming with the, the stories we liked from other games and that's. I think it has a more intriguing uh, feel to the story. That's why uh, that, that's the case in Karma. 
that's fantastic yeah because i've been really engaged so far and it's really sucking me in and it's just it, i'm glad to see that because that was one of my main complaints and i mean i think that's even just outside of pokemon a lot of monster catching games as a whole usually the story falls on the wayside but i really appreciate that koromon you know in, is insistence on making you feel and care about the world itself rather than just being like here's a bunch of monsters have fun guys go do the thing um it's it's nice it's it's a nice change and that's kind of something else that i was kind of curious about is what do you guys feel separates koromon and kind of elevates it against a lot of the competition like what for yourselves marcel i'll ask you first what is it about koromon that you're like some of the most proud of or that you think really sets it apart from a lot of the competition well there are some mechanics in our game which we are very proud of i think the most popular one is the potential system we have mm -hmm. like we all know the shinies in pokemon and you ne never find one well i never find one <laughs> i never found one either <laughs> and if you do it's just worthless because you have those IVs and EVs hidden stats, and if you already understand how they work, then it takes a lot of time to get the perfect shiny Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So we try to simplify that, and well, that ended up with our potential system. So we have a more easy to find variants, and well, the more special rare variant, and the more rare it is, the, the stronger it can get. So that's easy to understand. Mm -hmm. yeah i think the potential system is really cool even just like the way that the color changes across the koromon and their different levels for potential i think also makes it more engaging to try and be like do i want to keep this one or do i want to keep hunting in this patch of grass to try and get some one that has a higher potential i think that system is really really cool uh johan what about yourself what what is it about koromon that separates it or yeah, something that you're proud of the the best thing we added i think was the jrpg boss battles and those really uh make the experience as in it, it applies to the story as in that's why the story is so intriguing because you go to this boss battles as in it's not every time the same as in it's not to the next gym leader to the next gym leader as you have some side story but there's uh, a through line uh, in it by uh, going to all of the titans uh, that's how the boss battles are called uh, in our game so that's one of the big things that uh, that i think uh, characterizes our game um, but other than that, I think I'm mostly, I mostly would characterize a game by the quality of life, uh, changes we've made. As in me, myself playing Pokemon in the early days, I didn't know a lot about the mechanics as in, I didn't play Pokemon in the fullest because I didn't know about those mechanics. And we try to make everything accessible and make the player learn in-game without going online uh, to learn about it. And I think that's why a lot of early Pokemon players played Koromon. And I think, oh, this is cool. Well, it was actually already a thing in Pokemon, but we made it accessible. And that's why uh, sometimes the experience for Koromon is even better than what people have had uh, in Pokemon because they didn't know about those mechanics. And we always try to put it all in front and really uh, guide the player through, in, in a fun way, guide the player through all of the mechanics we have. I think that's incredible, especially for someone who, like, I know about the Pokemon games, but, like, I never really got into them myself. 
um, just because it felt a little overwhelming with having to learn how to do everything. But I love that both of you have mentioned the fact that you wanted to make your game accessible. So it doesn't really matter what age you are. It's something that you can go into and you kind of like walk them through what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I also like the mechanic that you added where it, it's not going to take you a million years to get something that's rare, which for me, when I'm playing a game, if I get a little achievement or something that I'm not expecting, like, oh my God, like I got the rarest Coromon. <laughs> like I'm super excited just playing myself and it makes me want to play more. And I know for like kids, cause me and Matt used to be teachers. Um, and you might not have even thought about this, but children love having that like quick um, accountability for their actions. So I feel like this is a very family friendly game. Like you could play it with you. I could see dads playing it with their kids. I could see moms, aunts and things like that. So I really, really love that about the game. And um, thank you for thinking of those things. And I love that a part of it probably came from when you were a child and you were playing the game and you got frustrated with it at points. So you made sure to make up for that in your design. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't even know shyness was a thing until I developed right? Coromon myself. I, said, I didn't even know shyness existed. And then I found out, and then I found as in the thought, as in why would it be so hard? As in why didn't I know about it? And that's where our additional color scheme comes from, making it more accessible. I love and it. I love it. Sorry, I Matt, love that. No, that's okay. No, because I, I was actually going to bring that up as well. I love that you guys have accessibility kind of at the forefront, even at the beginning of the game. The fact that you can go with one of the preset difficulties or go in and kind of really customize the experience to what you want out of it, I think is really awesome. Because again, like there are some people who prefer to have that, you know, the Nuzlocke grind, you know, the, the impossible difficulty where if a Pokemon or if any monster goes down, they're down and out for good. While also just being like, even as something as simple as the toggle that you guys added where, you know, any cake can help revive a Coromon. You're not doom and gloom just because you found yourself. So how were the conversations around accessibility? What are some of the features that you guys um, are excited about with the access with on the accessibility front? And how, what did those conversations look like developing those features? Another tough one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't really just sit down and think, like, what can we do to make this more accessible? It just, well, flowed out. We, mm -hmm. we know we wanted, uh, well, difficulty settings. And we just looked at other games, like, what do they do and what do we want? And combine the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. And from yeah, there, we, uh, we started building again, adding customization, randomization. I think it's all, uh, a lot of trying to imagine how the player comes across a menu or a, a feature and right. just trying to imagine how a player is and how different kind of players, because there's a, there's a lot of them, especially when you go to a genre where there's a lot of experienced players, but there, yeah, there's also players that have never like played Pokemon. Never <laughs> played it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just try to imagine how they would come across when uh, a menu when they see it for the first time or when they're experienced and try to um, yeah, hand them the right features at the right moments. And that's, that's, that's not really sitting down as in how to make it accessible, but it's mm -hmm. more like we have this feature, how to give it to the player. I like that I mean, that's lot. basically what that is though. Like, it, even though you guys didn't sit down and be like, okay, let's have a meeting on a sex, a, a, wow, that was not the right word, accessibility? 
<laughs> for our game. Um, but each time you came up against something, you thought about it, right? Like you were like, okay, so we're going to implement this. How are we going to like help people who play across the board from people who don't play a lot to experts really get the most out of our game? And that's kind of what accessibility is really when you mm. think about a game. It's like coming across those not issues, but coming across those stages in your your game development and then, you know, really thinking about the player. And for a game like Coromon, which might be the first monster catcher for a lot of people, um, I think you guys have done an incredible job. Like, it's so, so good. I played the demo and I didn't play the full game yet because monster catching is really hard for me and... Um, I just get bored after catching monsters. So I really appreciate the story of it because I'm more, I'm less of a, let's catch all the monsters and more of a, like what's going on in this world and why are we doing this? So you have a really good balance of both, which I really appreciate it. Cause otherwise I would be done. Like, I think they had Pokemon go. Was that the one on the cell phone? Yep. yep. Yeah. And like you and Natasha were playing it. We were at this convention and they were like, I got to catch this one. And I was like, aren't you guys tired of catching the same thing over and over <laughs> again? So I love that you have a story in it because I feel like most Pokemon, whenever whenever people talk about it, they don't talk about the story. They just talk about the new monsters that have been added. So this is going to go into my next question. What are the plans for Cormon in the future? Let's say five years from now. Do you think like you want to do a sequel, do a different story, do main, like, are you going to kind of go how Pokemon has gone where like every so often there's a new one, or are you going to try to do something com completely different? Well, we, uh, as a, me, myself, I don't really like the way Pokemon handles sequels. Mm. Um, as in, it's a lot of the same, uh, as a developer, it's always fun to, uh, create new things, as in try to come up with new solutions, come up with new approaches, new elements, new mechanics. And so, so that's not something we want to do. As in, it's not like we, we envision a Coromon 8 also being a... <laughs> You're not trying <laughs> to take over the world, I got it. <laughs> no, but what we do try is, um, yeah, keeping it fresh. So what we did in our game, uh, this is kind of a spoiler, Oh so, wait! Uh, mute. Can you say that? Spoilers. I don't. I don't want you to spoil anything if you don't yeah, want it's, to. it's it's, it's more okay. spoiler to the next game. And oh, then, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. sneak peek. Go ahead. Yeah, mute the sound if you don't want to hear. But uh, <laughs> as in, we we end with uh, someone saying, "As in, hey, it could take a couple of years, but how about a space adventure together?" So that's a nice hint to the, the next game. Oh, that's so exciting. That's exciting. So yeah, for me as well. As in, Get ready. For me yeah. as well. As in, I'm really curious how that turns out. As in, what <laughs> we can do with that concept. And yeah, I'm really uh, looking forward to developing that one. Oh my God. <laughs> I think it's exciting that you're looking forward to doing it. Like, it sounds like you're excited about this project already. So I know it's going to be amazing. If it's anything like Coromon, I know it's going to be amazing because you guys have really like handled that with kit gloves and it's not me just saying it but like the reception of the game has been so huge and phenomenal congratulations on that because i know how hard it is and to see something that you've worked on for nine years and marcel i believe two or three years to like come to fruition 
and then to just have the public kind of go wild over that like how did that make you feel like were you like okay I've reached the top or is it like kind of like all right that was great but like I'm ready for the next one I think somewhere in between. <laughs> okay. as, in, as in looking at as in all of the players, as in uh, seeing 4,000 players at online at the same time, as in you're just looking at the screen and <laughs> wow, as in, what, as in how, how can we make something that so many players want to do? And yeah, that, that went on for a long time. But yeah, we're also um in a phase where as I said we want to improve it we want to make it better we want to listen to players and give them new features and yeah even go on further as in uh i love that you're listening to your players though do you know what mm-hmm. i mean like and i think that's a really great thing to take away from this for for anybody who's like um listening right now um it it takes a long time to come up with a game from conceptualizing it to actually having a finished product. And it's kind of like your baby. It's never really done, especially when you have a game like Cormon. Like there'll always be like some upkeep on it. There'll always be like interaction with the people who are playing your game. People are still going to be buying this game like two, three, four years from now. Right. So how does that make you feel knowing that like you've kind of like, this is your first game and you've kind of like cemented yourself and like people are going to be having this expectation of like, yo, Cormon was so good. Like, I cannot wait to see the next one. Do you feel like any pressure or is this more like, you know what? I'm just creating stuff I love and I hope people like it. I, I want that pressure myself as in, I, I wouldn't want to release a new game without me being uh, pleased with the results. And I think that's the same as players being pleased with the next result. As in, I, I won't release a new game if I'm not excited for the as in, for the uh, for the product. We mm-hmm. need to tell AAA companies this. If you're not <laughs> excited to release the game, don't release it. Just keep pushing back. Just keep pushing it back until it's ready. I love that's- that. Hundred percent, and especially with like the you know the the switch launch is imminent. It's coming out in just a few days. Um, what I wanted to ask is, you know, if if somebody listens to this podcast, if they say, "Oh, wow, Cormon sounds awesome. Let me go buy it right now." I wanted to ask both of you, what are some like beginner tips going into the game? Who for someone who might not know too much about it, what are what are some of your favorite kind of like beginner moments, beginner tips that you could give to someone who's journeying into Cormon for the first time? Well, uh, I was have two tips. The first one being uh, Picturuga as a starter. Fire Turtle. <laughs> okay. and, and the second tip would be to explore. Like there are lots of hidden items and things to find which can really help you along your adventure. So is that is that your favorite starter, Marcel? Is, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't say it. <laughs> without saying without saying it. <laughs> Fantastic. Jochen, what about yourself? Yeah, I think exploring is a great tip. As in, it's it, it's it's a lot of fun. As in, to uh, watching every trash can and bush to find new items, but it also makes as in, it's a it's a two sided sword. I'm sure that's a saying, but as in, it's <laughs> <laughs> it helps you uh, in the game to to easily get further without too much frustration. But it also is a nice. Um, thing on itself is finding new items finding out what they do that's also a nice thing so that's definitely a good tip there other than that um yeah i think just who should we start out with like 
Pete, like, Marcel gave us his, so who do you think we should start off with in the game? Nibugar. Okay. <laughs> that was my choice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 100%. That was my choice. Um, and I actually really liked at the beginning of the game that you guys do that, like, psychological test where you're asking about mm. different preferences and stuff. Does that change the outcome for the starters that you might be able to choose from, or are those three starters set? No, it's a recommendation. Uh-huh. So, so the three starters are set, as in they appear always the same, but the, the supervisor gives you an advice as in this one fits the best based on your answers. Nice. But we don't we don't want to force the player into that decision, as in that's why we made it a recommendation. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I like that. Especially because like I think one of my tips would be to, to I like the exploring aspect because again, like I think the first um Coromana came across that wasn't just the regular potential was a patter bit and I sent my the patter bit that you're given at the end of the game to the, like you know to the box right away as soon as I could because I was like oh I have a new one I have a cool one so like and that that hit me pretty early in the game which like you both mentioned shinies in in Pokemon especially in other games as well they are like they're almost impossible to find so the first time I came across one I was like oh my god yes 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 that that feeling that serotonin rush of like I got one hell yeah was just awesome so take your time to do it at the beginning too you never know what you might find I mean like that's a rule that should be in all games honestly like you should be exploring every game that you're in because the I feel like developers are always hiding little things like Easter eggs and things like that. So guys, you should just be exploring just period yeah. across the board. Always explore. And um, also very quickly. Sorry, D just one thing about exploring no, before ahead. we move on. I love the humor in the game. A lot of the writing, a lot of the pun based writing just is it's, it gets me and catches me so off guard in so many random little moments. We're interacting with something it could entirely random. We'll give you a fun little pun. How did you guys approach the humor in the game? Because I think it does land very well. And for myself, I am very uh, pun-based person, so they, they make me laugh every time. He is very pun-based. Well, we don't really <laughs> sit down for it. <laughs> Come up with something. It's just, uh, well, it flows naturally. Sometimes something just pops up and we go with it. Marcel, are oh. you telling me you're an actually, like, you're a really funny guy when you're not being interviewed and you're nervous? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. When I'm writing stuff, yeah, but interviews and that's all. We're actually working on more puns, so more to come yes. later on. In more future oh, nice! As, as yeah. in, we, we we did a lot of them in the beginning, but we, um, as, as in due to pressure and deadlines, I think we didn't have enough to our like uh, to our liking uh, in the late game. So we want to add more there, as in just. So that's what, what we do sit down for, as in where can we add funny. Uh, but also, they, they shouldn't be too easy, as in they should really be on edge, as in it shouldn't be puns everywhere, but right. at, at the right places, as in don't, don't add too surprise. much. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. I yeah. Like that. I love to picture just a big whiteboard with number one says more <laughs> puns, late game, like just <laughs> underlined and circled. But... It's a ticket on our backlog, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to ask a question and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, so what we like to talk about on our podcast is mental health. Um, it's one of our core things that we like to speak about. And we always ask our guests, like, what's a game that got you through a tough time? So for example, 
I always say Streets of Rage 2 specifically because if I was having a hard day at school, I would pick Blaze and I would just beat the crap out of everybody. Like that's what I would do and it would make me feel better. And that sounds so bad every time I say it. Like I just wanted to like go to school and beat people up, but that is not what it was. Um, It was just a way to like alleviate frustration. We've had people who like really fell into like D&D, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. Or a lot of people during the pandemic played Animal Crossing to kind of get them through um, what they were dealing with during uh, the pandemic. Is there a game that's just stood out to you other than Pokemon that stood out to you that's just kind of helped you or not even helped you, just a game that you remember really fondly and having a good time with? Yeah, uh, for me, that was, uh, for me, it's mostly multiplayer slash co-op games. With my girlfriend, I played a lot of Sea of Thieves. Very nice. But also with my friends, I play uh, Valheim and Deep Rock Galactic lately. Nice. We played That's Valheim. Just... We did. Matt killed me with a tree, but we played Valheim. <laughs> nice. You went <laughs> yeah, into just... the tree kind no, of No, I didn't. Shut, shut your mouth. Anyways, <laughs> what's a game for you? Yeah, I think uh, the last six years, I didn't really play games anymore. As in, I just developed them. Because you were making but, them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as in, I don't really take the time anymore. because, But, but I also don't need, don't really need the, the time off uh, to get my frustrations out or whatever, as in, just don't you're need doing it. what you love, right? Yeah, so. I, I think so, as in, <laughs> but yeah, as in, in my early days, I think it's a weird game to, well, it's for frustration perhaps, but Call of Duty too, as in, but also just because I was good at it, I liked doing it, and yeah, that was my go-to game. Fantastic. We played a lot of Diablo 3 together as well. Yeah. <laughs> nice, Oh, so you guys do game together. Okay, I'm walking away from this as you guys are friends, not just colleagues. Yeah. (laughs) But I love that. And um, before I wrap things up, Matt, did you have any more questions that you wanted to ask them about? That was all the questions I had. My my sheet is all complete. I hope we didn't ask you too many of the same questions you've asked before. I feel like we (laughs) didn't, though, because Marcel kept going, that was a hard one. (laughs) All right. I think we did pretty good. But um, again, Joachim, Marcel, thank you so much for taking time to come on our show and talk about Formon. We are super excited that it's coming out on Switch. When you guys get this, it'll be coming out tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. make sure you check your stores and you purchase it. It's incredible. But before we end, if they want to find out more about him they want to find out more about Marcel. they want to find out more about Coromon. can you guys drop your socials in case they want to follow you and support you yeah it's uh Coromon.com. that's our website and you can find all our links there and the discord is uh discord.gg slash Coromon. you're quite active there as well i feel like your discord is popping i should join yeah, it, it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you should all right, you guys, we'll definitely put all that information down below so you don't have to look for it. Um, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Yeah. You can find me over on Twitter at burnout underscore Matt. You can find me at youtube.com slash carpoolgaming every week where I also do the PlayStation Drive where we talk all things PlayStation all the time. And you can also find our new show over at lv1gaming.com where bonus level has gone live. We expect a new episode in the next couple of weeks where we do dumb stuff and talk about dumb stuff where it's just fun. Our first episode was all about the best food. For a food, for a food fight. fight. We didn't put up the poll. I just thought about that. <laughs> but, okay. 
really quickly before we end, because I almost forgot, we are going to be doing a little bit of a giveaway to kind of celebrate the Switch's launch. Well, not the Switch's launch, but Coromon's launch on Switch. If you comment down below your favorite Pokemon or your favorite Coromon, we will mm. be choosing randomly three people, all right? Three people to get a copy um, of the game on Switch. And that's for Europe and North America. So mm -hmm. we'll have a winner for each one because I know like countries can't switch. And then one for Steam. So make sure that you share, make sure that you comment um, because we want to know. We want to know who your favorite Cormon is and we want to know who your favorite Pokemon is. And that just might win you a copy of the game. <gasps> We'll be announcing those on our 150th episode, which is going to be next week. Yay us. I cannot believe we're at 150. Again, I just want to say thank you so much to Marcel and Johan for coming on. You guys are welcome anytime. So like when you want to talk about the new game, please let me know so we can have you on. We can talk all about it <laughs> and ask the hard questions. All right. That's it from Burnout Brighter, guys. I'm Destiny. You know where to find my information. It's down below. And we will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Peace out. Yeah.